Let's start this morning in Acts chapter 20. I just want to look at one verse briefly, and then we'll spend our time mostly in 1 Peter this morning. But in Acts chapter 20, we finish off these four weeks where we're kind of encouraging all of us to get involved in serving with your gifts in the ministry of our church. And then last week and this week, let's live on mission for Jesus. That we are a people that Jesus has sent out into the world to share the good news of the gospel of Christ. In Acts chapter 20, the Apostle Paul is making his way back to Jerusalem, but he stops off in a little city called Miletus and calls the elders from the church in Ephesus to come down, and he wants to spend a little time with them, and so he gives them speech. And it's one of my favorite portions of Scripture, all the things that he says to them. But in verse 24, he says this, chapter 20, verse 24, I do not consider my life of any account as dear to myself so that I may finish my course and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus. What's his course and what's the ministry that he received? To testify solemnly of the gospel of of the grace of God. Now, I know Paul was an apostle of Christ, and he had a specific mission from Jesus. You say, Mitch, I'm not an apostle. I'm a homemaker. Mitch, I'm not an apostle. I'm an engineer. Mitch, I'm not an apostle. I'm a salesman. I know, and I get it. But I wonder if this sort of spirit, though, can't hang over all of us who are followers of Jesus. We've said before, really, the issue is not so much what do we do for a living, but what are we living for? And maybe Paul was to live for this because of his special calling to be an apostle of Jesus Christ, but I wonder if not all of us could say, I do this to make a living, but what I live for is this, to finish my course in the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify solemnly of the gospel of the grace of God. And just to note, he wants to testify solemnly of the gospel, the the good news of the grace of God. If you're here today and you're not a follower of Jesus, I want you to know that the message of the gospel is the message of the grace of God. Maybe you've thought all your life or for quite some time that a text like this should read to testify solemnly of the bad news of the law of God. God is great. You have sinned. Your sin has separated you from God. And what you must now do I got some bad news for you, is get better and earn God's favor through your good works. Wouldn't that be some bad news? And wouldn't that not be a message of grace? 
But the message of the Bible is so much different. It is that God is great. It is that you and I have sinned. It is that our sin is significant and separates us from God and will separate us eternally from Him unless God has done something through Jesus Christ, and He has. And unless we turn and trust and believe in Jesus Christ, which by God's grace we can. It is a message of the grace of God that He has initiated to save His people by sending His Son, Jesus Christ, into the world to live and die in our place and for our sins, and that through repentance and faith in Him, we can be forgiven of our sins and made right with God. It's a message of grace. Well, that was just an order. Let's turn over to 1 Peter chapter 2. It's where we'll be this morning. Just a couple thoughts. It's already getting kind of close to go, time to go. So I will try to move fast. If you're a follower of Jesus, you and I know we need to be living on mission with Jesus. And I just want to ask you, what is your strategy for doing so? You probably saw, if you've been around here, you saw I got the blessed strategy in front of you. We're going to mention that, but we're not going to major on that this morning. I'm actually going to give you another. But I ask you, follower of Jesus, who indeed wants to live on mission with Jesus, what's your strategy? We're encouraged from the Apostle Peter here in chapter 2, verse 9 down through 12, at least with two aspects of our calling to live on mission with Christ. In verse 9, Paul writes, or Peter writes to these Christians, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation a people for God's own possession. Some high language that Peter uses to talk about the church. We are God's people through our faith in Jesus Christ. We, in the, in the context above, we have believed in Christ and as such we have become the people of God. And what is our purpose, at least part of our purpose There it is in verse 9. So that you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who has called you out of the darkness into His marvelous light. For you once were not a people, but now you are the people of God. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. What's our purpose? What's one of the reasons, at least, that God has shown mercy to you and me and made us His people, His very own possession? It is that we would proclaim, declare the excellencies of Him who has called us out of the darkness and into His marvelous light. One commentator said, Christians are to publish abroad the mighty works of God, which include both His activity in creation and His miracle of redemption in the life, death, resurrection, and revelation of Jesus Christ. Another, to declare God's excellencies is to speak of all that He is 
and all that He has done specifically in the person and work of Jesus Christ, His Son. Why is the church here? To proclaim, to declare the excellencies of our God, our sovereign Creator, our loving Savior, our faithful friend. Is indeed our God excellent? Is He wonderful? Is He beautiful? Indeed He is. And you and I have the privilege to proclaim His wonder. Of course, we want to communicate the good news of the gospel to people. It's all over what we talk about here at Redeemer. We want to faithfully or joyfully follow Jesus and help others do the same. One of the things that drives us, hopefully, is God's mission. God is on mission and calls us to be a part of it. We want to be a people who regularly gather and worship to sing God's praise and to hear His Word. And then we want to get into discipleship groups where we can encourage and love one another and equip one another to be faithful followers of Jesus. And then we want to get on a service team so we can help each other whether kids or students or the like, and then we want to live on mission with Jesus. We want to be a people who declare the excellencies of God through His Son, Jesus Christ. But Peter says more. Down in verse 11, Beloved, I urge you as aliens and strangers to abstain from fleshly lusts which wage war against the soul. And often we read the word lusts and we think only specifically of sexual lust, but the word is broader here. It's all of the sinful inclinations that you and I have. Anger or greed or laziness, materialism, whatever it might be, Peter says we're to wage war against those things, or we're to abstain from them, which wage war against us. And then in verse 12, keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles. And in this context, the Gentiles means among unbelievers, those who don't believe in Jesus Christ. Keep your behavior excellent among them, so that in the thing in which they slander you as evildoers, they may, because of your good deeds, as they observe them, Glorify God in the day of visitation. Peter knows these Christians are living among, surrounded by people who don't follow Jesus. And Peter's great hope is that God's people would share the good news of the gospel. They would proclaim the excellencies of Him right there where they live. But Peter also knows that though that may be their purpose, their lives, we might say, are the persuasion. Keep your behavior excellent. Live your life excellent among them. And it seems to be that Peter understands that the purpose is that God might use your excellent life 
as a tool to draw others to faith. Those who don't think much of Christ at all. In fact, those who may slander you because of your faithfulness to Jesus. Peter holds out hope that even they could come to faith in Jesus Christ as they consider your life. So on the one hand, there is the declaration of the gospel. On the other hand is the display of the gospel. We are reminded, if you and I are known to be Christians among our neighbors, among those that we work with, among others, then in fact, they are most likely watching. If you've taken your stand, if you've said that you are a Christian, that you're a follower of Jesus, then if they are not, then they're probably watching. And they may be watching with critical eyes, anxious to accuse, anxious to find fault, maybe even to tuck another excuse away. And it's a little bit unfair because they probably misunderstand the gospel. Our gospel is what? We're sinners. That's why we need Christ, because we need forgiveness and we need help. We need His leadership in our life. And so the reality is that if you're watching me with a critical eye, sooner or later you're going to find some stuff. But they're watching to see if our life matches our lip, if our display lives up to that which we declare. Peter calls us to live with excellence. Jesus would say something similar, right? And this is probably where Peter gets this idea. It was from Matthew chapter 5. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do you light a lamp and put it under a peck measure, but you, you put it out on a table so it gives light to all. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father who is in heaven, Jesus said. Keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles so that in the thing in which they slander you as evildoers, they may, on account of your good deeds, as they observe them, glorify God in the day of visitation, said Peter. Excellent behavior among God's people Jesus seemed to believe and Peter seemed to believe can authenticate the gospel. I've shared this illustration many times, so those of you who have heard it, forgive me. It'll be new to some of you, though. And it's a little bit hard these days to think of which magazines would be the best to, to, to use. But imagine that you're in the supermarket and you read on a cover of the magazine right there as you are in line, cure for cancer has been found. Will you be excited? Well, you don't know. Why? Because you need another answer to another question. Which magazine cover is it on? Right? Because some magazines have some credibility to them. Other magazines, not so much. 
Back in the day, we might be able to say, well, is it on U.S. News and World Report? Then I'm liable to pick it up and read it. Is it on the National Enquirer? Maybe not so much. One magazine maybe had credibility. Another, not so much credibility. It's an incredible message. Cure for cancer has been found. But who is bringing the message? You and I, by God's grace, go out into the world where we live, where we work, where we go to school, where we play, on mission with Jesus, and we have a message to tell. And if we got very particular about it, our message is that the second person of the triune God became a man in the virgin womb of his mother Mary, and that he was born and he lived an absolutely perfect, spotless life. He never sinned. He never even thought a sin. He never felt anything he should not have felt. At every turn, at every point of his life, he lived in absolute submission to his heavenly Father. He lived spotless and clean. And then he went to a cross, and he died upon a cross not for his own sins, but in fact, God the Father was putting upon him the sins of his people. And when he died upon that cross, the wrath of God was poured out on him. And he died, and they put him in a tomb. And yet three days later, he came back to life. Bodily. And he appeared to his followers for a number of days, and then he, he ascended back into heaven where he is right now alive forevermore, and one day he's coming back. That's the message that you and I are proclaiming to the world. The question for you and me is what magazine are we when we proclaim it? Does your life, does my life have any credibility to it that authenticates the message of the Bible, the message of the gospel? Jesus said, let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good deeds and glorify God who's in heaven. Peter said, keep your behavior excellent. The life that you and I live Filled with the Spirit of God, the life of love and joy and peace and all of those wonderful fruits of the Spirit and more is meant to be something that God uses as we live on mission with Him. Again, it could be that Jesus and Peter believe that your behavior and mine can influence others for eternity. I think when Peter says at the end there that they observe our good deeds and glorify God in the day of visitation, I think that means that through the excellent behavior of this Christian and the proclamation of the excellencies of God through Jesus Christ, this person comes to put their faith in Jesus so that in the day of visitation when Jesus Christ comes, they will glorify God 
for his salvation and his grace. And so there it is. We declare, we display, or we display and we declare the good news of the gospel. Jeff Vanderstelt, in this good little book here called Gospel Fluency, said it like this, saved from and saved for. We are saved by the power of God for the purpose of God so that God might be known, might be made known, and Jesus might be glorified. We are God's display people, showing the world what he is like. We are also his declaration people who declare who God is and what he has done by proclaiming the gospel. Display the truths of Jesus in your life and declare the truths of Jesus with your lips. Show and tell. We are called to live lives that demand gospel explanations and when we have the opportunities to give people Jesus as the answer for our hope. I read from this last week just to remind us from the Lausanne Covenant written in the 1970s to encourage Christians the world over to join God on mission. They wrote this, to evangelize is to spread the good news that Jesus Christ died for our sins and was raised from the dead according to the Scriptures and that as the reigning Lord, He now offers the forgiveness of sins and the liberating gifts of the Spirit to all who repent and believe. Our Christian presence in the world is indispensable to evangelism. That's display. Your presence in the world, our presence in the world, your presence in the neighborhood, in the workplace, around town, in relationship with people who do not know Christ, it's indispensable. And so is the kind of dialogue whose purpose is to listen sensitively, sensitively in order to understand. That, too, is indispensable. To be in dialogue with people who do not know Christ and to listen sensitively in order to understand who they are and where they are and the needs that they have. But evangelism itself is the proclamation of the historical, biblical Christ as Savior and Lord with a view to persuading people to come to Him personally and so be reconciled to God. And so they just remind us again that evangelism is not simply display. It's not only, well, I, just, I just live my life for others to see. As indispensable as that is, it also must have this aspect of declare where we make known the truth about Jesus Christ and His life, death, and resurrection in our place and for our sins and call people to it. I like what Mary said. It's got a question mark at the end of it. Do you have any questions about that? Would you like to put your hope and trust in Jesus Christ? If you're here today and you don't know Christ as Savior, the, the fact that God sent Jesus Christ into the world to, to do what He did, to live and die and rise for sinners like you and me. The fact that He did it does not guarantee your salvation. You must respond through repentance 
and faith in Jesus Christ. I've shared this one before. Remember Howard Hendricks, Prof. Hendricks at Dallas Seminary? Sometimes I'm asked, hey, Prof., which is more important in evangelism? The life that I live or the words that I share? And I simply respond to them, when you board an airplane, which is the most important wing, the right or the left? They're both important. Peter says, let's declare and let's display. I used to talk about this years ago this way. I'm sure I got it from somebody else. I can't remember who. But it was five C's, if you will. And this was a strategy, but it's, it's too hard to remember. Close proximity. That if I want to live on mission with Jesus, I need to be in close proximity with those who are far from God. People in my life that I know don't know Jesus. I need to build relationships with them. Close proximity. Captivating life. My life has been changed because of Jesus Christ. I am far from perfect. But the Holy Spirit of God has been given to each and every one of His people, and as we will trust and obey, we can be people of love and joy and peace and patience. We can have a qualitatively distinct life from that of the world. So close proximity, captivating life, constant prayer, right? They need to be praying for people in my life who don't know Christ. Courageous initiation, that's, that's that little bridge from the life I live to the words I speak. That courageous, all right, I'm going to begin to talk about the gospel, to take the conversation to the gospel and then clear communication, to be able to tell about the greatness of our God and the gospel of His grace. Well, that, that close proximity and that captivating life, that's display. And that courageous initiation and, cl and clear communication, that would be declare. Pick your strategy. Reading a book right now, the author said this, as we pray for the Lord to do the work that only He can do, he's talking about evangelism, we need to develop a simple, clear, and doable strategy for mobilizing the congregation in evangelism. It's not enough to merely preach a great sermon, cast a great vision for evangelism. We must have a proper strategy to help implement that vision. And so for years, I've been encouraging you to think about the blessed strategy. It's a good one. It's the one that is foremost in my mind. You write down people in your life that are far from God, and then you begin with prayer. I can do that. And then you listen with care. I can, I can do that. Eat together. I can do that. Serve in love. I can do that. Share your story. That's where it gets scary, but I can do that because the Spirit of God is with me to help me along the way. I'll give you one more simple strategy, and then we'll be done today. Invest, invite, introduce. 
Yeah, 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 I want to live on mission with Jesus. Yes. I want to live on mission with Jesus in my circle, where I live, where I work. I used to say, where I live, where I work, where I passion, and where I play. But to, to capture all the students that are in here with us, think about my circle, where I live, where I work, where I study, where I play. And who are people in my life who don't, don't know Jesus? Three of them. Write their name down. And then invest, invite, introduce. Investing is just loving them, encouraging them, listening to them, forming relationships with them, serving them. And then invite them. Invite them to a worship gathering or to another event of the church. Listen, Redeemer Community Church is not perfect. I'll be honest, I was a little nervous this morning thinking about Macy going to a new church and a really good church. She's going to go, Dad, come, Dad. You mean it could have been like this? Makes me nervous, makes me insecure. We're not perfect. But we're a church family of some wonderful people. And I'm, I, I do not lead the way in this. But if I think about, man, what if I did invite him and his wife and kids, and what if they did come? And I think it'd be awesome if he, if he could get to know him and him and him, and she could get to know her and her and her. Invite them into the life of the church, the relationships that we have, and invite them to come and, and be a part of, of the people of God who are worshiping him and invite them to come and hear the word of God preached and, and the gospel proclaimed. So invest in them, invite them to worship gathering or to a men's event, to the women's breakfast, whatever it might be, invite, invite, invite. And then third, introduce, introduce them to Jesus. And that may well be you sharing the gospel with them, or it may be you inviting them here, knowing that they'll hear the gospel and you'll get to follow up on it. We're inviting them to a men's event or a women's event or to a community group or the like, and they will get to hear about the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. What's your strategy? Bless? Awesome. Let's go for it. And I think one guy called this I3. Invest, invite, introduce. Awesome. Great strategy. Any strategy is a good one that has a heart to introduce others to Jesus Christ. Close with this. I, I put this in every other chair. If, if you want to go, man, I, I need to get developed a little further in how to share the gospel, there are simpler ways, if you will, to share the gospel, but this is a good one. Two ways to live. It is if you, maybe more robust than others, but that's on purpose. 
in his book, The Gagging of God, written a long time ago, but wonderful book by D.A. Carson. Um, among all the gospel presentations that are out there that equip Christians on how to share the gospel, this was the one he wrote about in his book and commended to folks because it, it is a little bit more robust. And you say, well, Mitch, what do I do with it? Read it over and over and over again. It'll, it'll so bless your heart because it's the good news of the gospel, and we all need to hear it over and over and over again. And maybe you're here and you're not a follower of Jesus, and you read it and read it and read it, and, and, and maybe God will use it to, to draw you to put your faith in Christ as well. But for all of us, it can help us to think through communicating the gospel. Some of you, I used to have this thing memorized. I don't anymore, but some of you could memorize it. And I think there's some videos online that help you learn how to draw the pictures that are in there as well. So that if you were ever in a situation where you were to say, you know what, can I share with you the message of the Bible about the grace of God through Jesus Christ? Sure, man, go ahead. You could even take out a napkin or a piece of paper and say, well, in fact, I could even draw it for you as I talk you through it. It's a neat little tool. Let's pray together and we'll be done. Father in heaven, we are so grateful for the Missio Day, our God on a mission. Else we would be lost forevermore. Had you not initiated out of the wellspring of your love, your mercy, your grace, your kindness, to save us from our sins, we would be destined to eternal separation from God. But oh, your grace, your amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a bunch of wretches like us. We once were lost, but now we're found. We were blind, but now we see. And it's because of your grace and your love, sending Jesus. For our salvation. To live that holy life at every turn that we surely have not lived. And to die upon a cross to pay the penalty for our sins, a death that we surely did not want to die. You raised him from the dead. You vindicated him. Indeed, he was the Son of God. Indeed, he came to seek and save that which was lost. And indeed, everything that he said and everything that he had come to accomplish, he did it. And you raised him victoriously from the dead. And now you have seated him at your right hand. And the message of the gospel of the grace of God goes out into all the world 
And it goes out because you have empowered your people through your very spirit. And you have scattered them the world over. The gospel goes out through the lives and the proclamation of your people. Lord, help us to play our part right here in our city and as you will call us even around the world to be those who display the good news of the gospel with our lives and declare the good news of the gospel with our lips. Very practically, Lord, would you help each follower of Jesus here today pick their strategy, the bless strategy, the I3 strategy, any strategy that helps us move forward living on mission with you. And oh God, we believe that your spirit is at work in our city, in the lives of people, in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces, on the ball team, in our classes. We believe, as you promised, that the spirit of God is at work convicting the world of sin and righteousness and judgment. You have gone ahead of us. So help us live with a sense of expectancy about that. And Lord, help us go out in confidence that you said, as we go, that you'll be with us every step of the way. You did not leave us alone. You you have not left us to ourselves. God, would you help us, encourage us, inspire us, motivate us, And may we be instruments in your hands to share this good news sometime soon. And Lord, might you use us to be the one who would see somebody put their faith in Jesus Christ for the very first time. In Jesus' name we pray, and for his glory, amen. Amen.